This past week, our family had a chance to watch the Princess Bride movie again. And um, great movie. It's a classic. If you haven't seen it, you've got to. But I'm sure most of you probably have seen it. And as I was thinking about the message for this week, there's one particular scene and, and one particular line that keeps coming back to my mind. And so I wanted to share it with you as a way to kind of tie into what we're talking about today. But uh, the scene is where um, Vizzini has kept saying, inconceivable, right? It's inconceivable that this man in black is able to follow them up the cliffs of despair. It's inconceivable that he was able to keep up with them in his ship. It's inconceivable that he stays with them step by step. Keep saying, inconceivable, inconceivable, inconceivable. And then finally, Anigo turns to him at one point and says, you keep saying that word but I do not think it means what you think it means. It's a great line. And it's so true, sometimes with words. I'm not so sure that what you think that word means is actually what it means. And you say that, but do you really know what that means? This is hitting home to me this week because I think it's applying to the word Christian more and more, or, or maybe I'm just seeing it more and more lately. People are saying, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. But what does that actually mean to them? You know, if you ask America, by and large, um, are they Christian? I think there's, you know, a huge percentage of people that would identify as Christians. But if you ask that same population, are you saved? It's like, ah, oh, saved? I hope so. Okay, well, those are supposed to be synonyms. You could ask that same population, are you born again? And they're like, well, I don't know about that because they have some sort of religious association with that term and, and uh, or even denominational associations with certain words like Christian, um, uh, like born again. How about if you ask that same group of people, are you a disciple? Like, well, that's a pretty formal way to say it, or I'm not sure if that's exactly how I describe my relationship to Jesus. Um, have you been discipled? We might ask people and be like, oh, I don't know if I've been discipled. I think I might have done a class with my pastor at one point, but I don't know if we finished that. Like, well, how can we not know if we're a disciple or if we've been discipled or if we're a believer? You ask anybody if they're a believer, they'd probably say yes, but believer in what? And if we believe that there's a God, does that also mean that then we follow and obey and love that God, that we've been adopted into his family? Well, not necessarily. The Bible says that, you know, Satan and the demons believe in God, but they're clearly not saved. So this ambiguity around the world, word Christian makes me feel like I'm not sure it means what we think it means. And as we're having conversations with the people around us and they're asking us, what does it mean to be Christian? I want us to be crystal clear about it. And it's a beautiful thing. What it means is a beautiful concept and reality. And so I want us to have confidence in that. I want us to have assurance at our own salvation. Are we truly saved? Are we God's people? Yes. How can we know? Well, the Bible makes that abundantly clear. And when we're talking to others, I want to be careful that we communicate to them really what they're getting into. You know, being a Christian isn't just going to church. So if we say, oh, you got to come to church. Well, okay, but that should be leading them towards something and not just believing that there is a God, but actually what I feel like the best word for it might be is an apprenticeship to Jesus. I think the word apprentice actually is probably the best modern equivalent we have to the word disciple, which is probably an archaic kind of antiquated word for a follower, an adherent, a student to a master, a practitioner, um, you know, a, a follower. Um, we often think of a Christian or a believer as someone who 
understands something. We, we've adopted very much of a school mentality. You know, do you understand this from the Bible? Okay, well then you've been discipled. You are a disciple. You've gone through discipleship. But if you remember from a few months back, we looked deeply into the word discipleship and recognized that form of the word actually doesn't occur in Scripture. There, in the Bible, there's no such thing as discipleship. There's just a disciple. So either you are or you aren't an apprentice to Jesus, a follower of his, a student learning at his feet. Uh, but once you are, then you learn how to do it. And being discipled kind of stretches that out, makes it feel like, oh, I'm over time becoming a disciple. No, you are a disciple. You are an apprentice. And then as an apprentice, you kind of learn at the feet of the master. You learn to use the tools that he puts in your hands uh, and learn to use them with skill the way he does. And so I want to use this word apprentice as kind of the framework, the approach for how we understand our faith. And, um, you know, I think as American Christians, we're far more informed and far less skilled than we've ever been. You know, as American believing Christians, we're far more informed, but far less skilled than ever. We know way more. There's infinite podcasts and books and all the books here on these shelves, the ones you have on, on your home, your Kindles and on your own bookshelves. Um, it's far more information than ever, but we have less skill than ever about how to apply these things. You know, we understand all there is to know about forgiveness and about justification, but we have trouble forgiving our relatives. We understand all there is to know about the peace that God gives, but we have such trouble skillfully living in peace and using peace as a, a tool in our daily lives and using peace as, as an aid for those who are around us. We're far more informed and far less skilled than ever, and I think we've learned to kind of approach our faith just from the believe concept, like I, I believe, I understand. And that is not what a disciple is. A disciple is an apprentice, a follower, an adherent, a practitioner of everything that Jesus taught, of Jesus himself. So I'd like to, us to see our faith as uh, learning to develop our skills with the tools that we've already been given. And this mimics a passage from 2 Peter chapter 1 that says, God's divine power has already granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. For this reason, make every effort to add these things to your faith so that you don't become ineffective forgetting that you've been forgiven of your sins. So there's this, this concept of once you become an apprentice to Jesus, all the tools in the workshop are available. They're all yours for the using, and he'll take them down one by one and instruct us how to use them, hold our hands and show us how to do them. Um, and then we will develop skill as he gives us what we have. But the whole workshop is ours. It doesn't mean we know how to use everything yet. It doesn't mean we become skilled in it yet. But uh, it's not just knowing that there's a workshop. That's not what an apprentice is. Someone who knows that down the street there's a master craftsman. Or someone who like stands outside the shop and looks in through the window. Or someone who comes in to observe. No, an apprentice is someone who's learning the trade. We're learning Jesus' trade 
to be forgivers and healers and wisdom givers and peace givers and life givers and to bring redemption and hope and grace. Those are his tools and he gives them to us. We get to reap their benefits and we get to use them for others. So if we're going to look at Jesus as the master and ourselves as his apprentice, I thought maybe an interesting way to look at uh, those concepts would be to just approach this message from the perspective of a position posting. You know, there's a lot of people struggling with unemployment right now. And you go on and you say, okay, this company is offering this position. Here's a little summary. So there's a scripture in my mind that really summarizes what this apprenticeship looks like. And then there are some job requirements. Like you have to do these certain things. So I've picked four scriptures to kind of lay out what it looks like to be an apprentice of Jesus. But there's also some benefits that come. So what are the benefits? And I've picked four scriptures for that as well. So let me walk us through the job posting. If Jesus was saying, become an apprentice, which he actually is. There's plenty of openings as apprentices for Christ for anyone, no matter what age, race, creed, anything. It's just he's welcoming apprentices always until the very last day of our lives or the very last day of this world or whichever comes first. Jesus is accepting people to apply to become apprentices. And um, he is the best teacher the best master that you could ever have and uh, so I'd like to look at it that way but before we go into the summary of the the position itself let me kind of just throw out there there's three underlying principles three really important foundational assumptions and principles that are underneath this concept of an apprenticeship and the first one is um, if an apprenticeship is something you get accepted into, then not everybody's in it. Not everybody is an apprentice of Christ. That's just a fundamental principle. What does that mean? Well, it's the same thing as saying not everyone is saved. Not everyone is going to heaven. If there are some who have become apprentices, and they weren't and now they are, then there are some who still aren't. And so when you look out at the world around you, some have become apprentices of Christ, and some have not. And it's not even a strict dividing line between who goes to church and who's not or who calls himself a Christian and who's not. There just are those that are apprenticed to Christ. And they're using his skill set in the world and they're thriving because of it. Or even just surviving because of it. But they're apprenticed to him. And anyone who is not, is not then part of that family, not part of that workplace, not part of that, you know, um, that company, <laughs> that employer doesn't receive the benefits from them, uh, is just unaffiliated with them entirely. So this <clears throat> kind of flies in the face of some that would say, well, everybody goes to heaven, you know, God loves the whole world. Yes, God loves the whole world. And that's why he sent his son to say, anybody who wants to be apprenticed to me, I've got the things you need to survive this life and eternal life, so come to me. So that's how God loves the entire world, by giving us the opportunity, but some will take it and some won't. And you can't reject the job offer and then expect to receive the benefits. So Romans 3.23 does a great job of explaining that. I won't read that for us, but um, essentially just means Christians are made. They're not born. You know, an apprentice is made. You become an apprentice. God makes us apprentices to Christ. We're not born that way. It's not natural. It's not anyone's original state. Uh, it has to happen along the way, becoming disciples, becoming Christians, becoming an apprentice. So that's just a principle. I understand that. That's what this job concept, uh, this Christian concept means what the Bible teaches. The second underlying principle 
is uh, you can't become an apprentice on your own. You can't write your own job description. You can't hire yourself. You can't accept your own resume. You can't uh, create the qualifications or the requirements to be what you want, but people want to do this all the time. I think that being a Christian is this, and they take certain things that as well, I like to do this, but I don't really do that, and they take parts of the Bible, but not all of it. Some people do it even broader, and it's like, oh, well, I pray, you know, I think all religions sort of lead us in the same way. You can't create the job posting. If you're going to be apprenticed to someone else, he gets to create the job position description. And you just get to accept it or not. You get to read it and say, what is it? And is that something that I really desperately want? Great, well, let me apply. I hope I get in. If I get this apprenticeship, it's exactly what I need. But you can't create it yourself. We can't save ourselves. And um, just by doing some of the things that are on that job posting, you know, just say you go home in your own garage and you're sawing or whittling or whatever, that doesn't make you an apprentice to the master craftsman, master carpenter down the street. So just going home and saying a prayer on your own or, or reading a verse out of the Bible or going to a church service, just because you've done those things which the master carpenter does in, with excellence doesn't mean that you're apprenticed to him. It's a different thing. And that's why it's helpful to look at it as an apprenticeship, not simply like a, a recognition or an understanding or like, I'm going to do certain practices. Well, you can do certain practices and still not be apprenticed. And conversely, you can actually be an apprentice and still be pretty bad at using some of the tools that he gives you. But you're still an apprentice, and he's helping you gain skill with those tools. And so you don't have to be great at it yet. I don't have to be great at all the skills Jesus gives. I just need to be working on them and learning under him because I've become his apprentice. So Romans 1, 18 to 25 does a good job talking about us not being able to save ourselves and um, it not being something that we can create. We just accept and the third underlying principle is that if you're going to take this position, it means either you're unemployed or you're self-employed or you've got a bad employer that you want to leave. But you recognize that if you're unemployed, you're leaving this life of sitting at home and, you know, go hunting for jobs and you're full-time committing to this new position. If you're self-employed, you're no longer going to work for yourself. You're going to start taking direction from your new boss and they will be in charge, not you. Or if you're employed to a bad boss, you're trading that bad work environment for the good one. But the, the whole point is you can't do both. You can't take this new full-time position and also remain unemployed and do nothing with it. You can't remain self-employed and set your own agendas or spend your time on things that you want if you're full-time employed over here. And if you have another boss that demands different things of you, you can't then do those things from the new employer unless that's what he wants as well. And, and God's way is so like upside down from what the world usually wants that a lot of times the things that get us ahead in these other employers, you know, our, our selfish ambition, our drive, our motivation, sometimes being deceptive or even just burning the candle at both ends, our, our will and our work ethic, sometimes those very things will undermine what our new master is asking us to do. And so we have to recognize that you can't keep your old job if you're going to take the new one. Um, John 8:34 really says this perfectly. You can look that up to, to dig more into it. But this is, you know, a once in a lifetime, full-time position. And you, you just are desperate to qualify for it. And then you apply for it and you need to be accepted into it. And once that happens, then you've left your old relationship with yourself, with others, and you're in this new relationship with Jesus. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10 says, you know, once you were not a people, 
but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You know, it's either or. Um, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So just recognize what apprenticeship looks like, those principles underneath it. And now let's kind of look at the position itself. If there was a one passage that would be great for a position summary for Christians, it would be Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Jesus came to his disciples, his followers, his apprentices, and said to them, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make apprentices of all nations. Means all sorts and types of people. All peoples. Make apprentices. Make disciples of them. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So use baptism as kind of like your rite of passage, as your hiring practice. You know, once they're in, this is the contract. Baptism uh, inaugurates the beginning of their relationship as an apprentice with Christ. And verse 20, and teaching them to observe or to obey all that I have commanded you. So teach them not what I said, but teach them how to, how to obey all that I have commanded you. So the master is saying to his apprentices, your job is to go out and make other apprentices, not just talking about me and not just telling what I've done for you, but helping other people become apprentices to me and teaching them how to gain skill with the things that I've taught you about. Jesus is so intensely practical. He's a how-to kind of Messiah. He's not just a what you know, does not just learning what, but learning how. That's what Jesus taught all the time. And he promises, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So the position summary of apprentice is there's going to be some going. We're looking to make other apprentices and bring people in. And as we do, our job is to teach the skill set that Jesus taught us. So we need to know everything that he commanded so we can learn to use the tools. Otherwise, we'll be failing in areas in our lives or struggling that we don't need to because there's a tool in his workshop for that situation. And he's excellent with it. And he wants to teach us to use it as well. And he'll walk with us. Behold, I will be with you to the very end of the age. Uh, Teaching others to become practitioners. So if you're unemployed, if you're an agnostic or an atheist, and say, you know, like, I'm not affiliated with religion. You look at Jesus and he says, "Uh, if you'll become an apprentice of mine, take that step of baptism, commit your life to me, I will send you out into the world and make you a powerful person preaching peace and healing and wisdom and grace and forgiveness. And others will get excited about it and will come and join us in this apprenticeship. And I'll be with you every step of the way. If that appeals, then you put down your unemployment, or if we're self-employed, if we just want what we want, we say, what I want is not getting me anywhere. It's just getting me guilty conscience and more baggage and wasting my time, wasting this short life. I want that. Well, then we put ours down and we become, we, we apply for the position. I want that. Okay, well, I'm willing to put this to the side. If the masters that we have of making more money or addictions or people pleasing have become too burdensome to bear, we just can't keep up with those masters anymore. We say, I want to trade. I want to drop that. I'm quitting that job and I'm applying all or nothing, applying for this position. I want to receive Jesus, all of his skills. I want to receive his life into mine. I want to be the kind of person that goes and makes apprentices who changes the world. Um, 
part of a movement and I want him to be with me. If that's what you're interested in, if that summary catches your eye, then the Holy Spirit's tugging on your heart to say, you want to become a Christian. You want to become an apprentice. This is good. You desire it. Well, let me say, okay, let's take the next step. Well, what actually does it entail? And if there were four responsibilities that come with this apprenticeship, I think they would be this. And the first one would be whole life apprenticeship. In uh, Luke 10, uh, 25 to 29, uh, Jesus asks someone, you know, what do you think uh, is... The, te- the lawyer asked Jesus, teacher, what shall I do to inter- inherit eternal life? And Jesus asked him, how do you understand? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you said it right. And then he says, well, who's my neighbor? And so they continue and talk about the um, Good Samaritan parable. But this is what the position rec- uh, description requires. This is one of the requirements, the responsibilities that you love with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. So it's a full-time position, but it doesn't have to happen in one specific field of expertise. You can be a doctor and do this. You can be a carpenter and do this. You can be a teacher and do this. You don't have to be a pastor of a church or a missionary overseas. Um, to be a person that loves God with everything you've got. So he's not asking us to change necessarily our occupations, but we're taking on the role of ambassador, the role of apprentice, so that we're going to use his skill set in whatever jobs that we're doing, but it's whole life, and it's for our neighbors next door. And so if we ignore our neighbors, we're actually not fulfilling our responsibility. If we're not working on our mind and how we think, or our emotions, how we feel, or using our bodies to actually help, we're not recognizing the full scope of what this apprenticeship requires. It's, it's a, f- a full life, a whole life, holistic apprenticeship. Uh, the second thing that would be a requirement is uh, a financial reprioritization for us. You become an apprentice, you actually have to reorient all your finances. And this is a big one because we want money for security, we want money for pleasure, we want money for ourselves, we want money for status. And... Um, money for greed, money for all sorts of things, for fear. Um, But uh, Jesus says that if you're going to be my apprentice, you have to look at it differently. So in Matthew 19, 17, um, Jesus said to someone, what do you, why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good. If you want to enter eternal life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, shall not murder, shall commit adultery, all these things. And the man said, well, I've done this, so I'm trying to be a good person. What do I still lack? And Jesus said to him in verse 21, if you would be perfect, meaning whole, go and sell what you possess and give it to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven, and then come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Jesus said to his apprentices, his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? Apprenticed. Who can be truly a believer? But Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible. With God all things are possible. Then Peter said in reply, See, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? And Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his throne, you who have followed me, apprenticed under me, will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses, or brothers, 
or sisters, or father, or mother, or children, or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. So we need to recognize that this apprenticeship is going to require us to leave our possessions behind. And it might not mean that for us we need to sell all our possessions, but in this case, in this person's case, that is what Jesus asked. And was he willing to? Well, it says he went away sad. So indications there would be that maybe that was too hard. Jesus was asking too much. We actually need to be willing to give away all of our possessions, live a simple life, live a, an austere life instead of a lavish life. Are we willing to accept that if that's one of the position requirements? That's what apprenticeship is. Yet I see a lot of people wanting to believe in Jesus and get eternal life, but not necessarily wanting to part with any of their possessions or any of their money for the sake of others. So therefore they're trying to keep their old job, which was self-employment, getting for themselves, while at the same time receive all the benefits of the new position. It doesn't work that way. Finances need to be led by Christ. And he tells us what to keep, what to give away. If we wake up one morning and are supposed to give $1,000 to someone, then we give it. If we wake up the next morning and it's make a meal for someone, then we give it and we just obey. But it's all Jesus is for the taking. It's what he requires. If we're going to be his apprentice, it's got to be open checkbook. Just say the word and I'll write the check. And whether I think I have it or I think I don't have it or it's a little or it's a lot, that's irrelevant. We're an apprentice to you. You're going to show us how to gain skill in generosity. And we want that skill. And we want to be free of the love of money and the like pressure of money. And the best way to do that is just give Jesus the checkbook. But he's asking for us to hand it over. Um, so uh, a third requirement for this apprenticeship is caring for those in need. In Matthew 25, 31 to 46, there's the, the Jesus teaching on the sheep and the goats and how he separates those who will come to heaven, those who will be sent to... Um, uh, eternal punishment, eternal life. And so the second part of that, he, he talks about those who didn't care for those in need and says that therefore they have no place with him because that was part of the requirements. So verse 41, he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me in. I was naked and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So giving food and drink and clothes and visiting people in prison and visiting the sick, caring for those in need, those are an apprenticeship requirement. If we want to be an apprentice, this is what it will require of us. So just recognize we're holding up the job posting. This is the kind of life that it, it, it is. And we'll get to the benefits in just a second. But this is what the position actually looks like. And when we go through, we say, well, am I a Christian? Am I, did I sign up for that? Maybe we didn't have a real clear understanding of what the word Christian meant. That's what I'm hoping to clarify for us and for those that we talk to. So we'll know what it looks like and what it is. It's apprenticeship, full life apprenticeship. And the last one, the last position requirement would be uh, humility and repentance and submission. We put ourselves down. You can't enter into the apprenticeship with pride 
thinking that you know it all or you can do it on your own. Those are the worst kind of apprentices who think they can tell the master how to do it better, that they know best. We have to go in and humble ourselves and let God lead us. And Book of James 4, 6 through 10 just says it very clearly. It says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. So this is a humble position. If we're looking for a lot of fame and a lot of credit through our apprenticeship to Jesus, we're not going to find it the way we expect. Or if we find it, we're not going to be apprenticed to Jesus in the way that he wants. He can elevate us. He can give people public prominence. But if we go into an apprenticeship looking to look good, looking to gain fame, looking to gain accolades, looking to be thought well of for how good are we, that's not what an apprentice to Jesus does. We do things quietly and secretly. We're like stealth missionaries all around the world, just loving people into relationships with God through Christ by apprenticing to Him and having Him connect them with the Father and provide eternal life. So you can't do it with arrogance. And you can't think you know it all. I can't think I know it all. We just have to humble ourselves and say, show us what to do. You know, Jesus is our master. We are his apprentices. So if those are four job requirements, then here are four job and position benefits of becoming an apprentice to Christ. The first is peace. John 14, 25 to 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. So do not let your hearts be troubled and neither let them be afraid. So one of the things we get from being an apprentice to Jesus is we don't have to be afraid because he's taking care of us. And we get peace. And the world doesn't give us peace. The world gives us conflict. And if we're tired of being in the news and being like agitated, and if we're tired of politics agitating us, and if we're tired of our finances agitating us, and the coronavirus agitating us, and racism perhaps agitating us, well, Jesus brings peace. So we get to bring that tool of peace into our own hearts and experience peace in the midst of trial, tribulation, stress, racism, poverty, unemployment, politics, elections, in the midst of that. Because we're gaining skill in using the tool that he gives us. He's already given us everything. But a lot of us don't use the tools that he's given us. And sometimes we just sort of use them for ourselves. But what if we have peace as a skill as a tool that we can offer to the world. Bring peace to your workplace, to the, the water cooler conversations, to the teacher's, you know, the teacher's room, the staff room, to uh, your friend's conversations. Bring peace. It's what you have to offer because you're an apprentice to Christ and it's what He offers that the world can't. You can only get these benefits from Him. So apply. Become an apprentice. Be accepted into that relationship so you can have those benefits that you aren't going to find anywhere else. But then don't just enjoy them, use them for others. You know, go and make other apprentices and teach them how to use and obey and implement all the skills that Jesus has taught us to implement. So our life becomes a witness, but then we also become fellow trainers, fellow apprentices, leading someone who's just starting as an apprentice to see some of the things that we've seen from the master. So peace is one of the benefits. Another one is forgiveness. Uh, in Luke 24, 36 to 49, there's a, a great passage there. Jesus has actually risen from the dead and he sees a couple of people. He talks to them on the road to Emmaus. And it says in verse 44, Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, 
that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer, and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins shall be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. So forgiveness, repentance and forgiveness in his name is the Messiah's job, the Christ's job. And he's saying, you're witnesses of these things. It's going to be proclaimed. So go and start sharing this good news that forgiveness is possible. So for those of us that look back on our own sins and have guilty consciences, we look at this position and say, wow, it comes with a benefit of forgiveness. I can be forgiven of all that. I want that. And when we're talking to people around us that have made mistakes, that have sinned, or have had things happen against them, and they want to understand and experience forgiveness, you can't find it by just saying, oh, I hope you feel better, or I hope that memory goes away, or I hope you don't have that scar or that baggage in your life now. Jesus provides forgiveness. It's his job. It's his role. It's his divinely sovereign place in the whole redemptive plan, forgiveness. And so we are invited to enjoy it. It can be forgiven. We don't have to feel guilty for any of our sins. Jesus will pay for them. If we are his apprentice, he takes that burden. It's the contract. It's what he agrees to, and it's precious, and it's beautiful. And it can't be found anywhere else. No one else is going to forgive you of your sins and take away your guilt by paying for them with his own life, his own blood, like Christ. It's a a once-in-a-lifetime position. Forgiveness. A third benefit, eternal life. Uh, John 3.16, we could quote, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So God so loved the world, loved him so much, that he gave us the opportunity to be apprenticed to his Son, and through that, to have eternal life. And that's the way we get eternal life, through becoming apprentices to Christ, and for him, offering us forgiveness. So eternal life versus eternal death or eternal punishment. That's only offered through Christ. It's part of this apprenticeship. And you don't get it by just believing that Jesus was a man or a good teacher, by reading the Bible and saying, oh yeah, I think there's some good wisdom in that. That understanding is not the same as acceptance and submission and apprenticeship. Christianity is apprenticeship, not simply intellectual acknowledgement. And the fourth benefit that we could point out is just a sense of freedom. A sense of freedom. Romans 8 does a great job of describing that. Romans 8, 1 through 11. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by flesh, could not do. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their mind on the Spirit. The mind that's set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you, whoever, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. So we're given this this separation, this freedom. We are no longer in this bondage. We've been set free by God's grace, by His love, and His Spirit just gives us freedom and gives us life. So if those are the sorts of things that we're looking for, then we can read the job description and say, okay, this is the summary of what it looks like to be an apprentice to Christ. And um, these are some of the qualifications, the requirements, and here are some of the benefits of it. We as, as believers 
should probably take a moment to just step back and say, that feels like a pretty involved job description with a lot of requirements and a lot of um, in, you know, involvement, engagement, action, responsibility. With our lives being as busy as they are, with the world being as confusing and as exhausting and as chaotic as it is, especially right now, um, if someone came to us today and offered that job description, would we take it on? If someone said, you can leave your stuff behind and just do this for your life's purpose. And it would give you all these benefits, but it requires this of you. Would you apprentice to Jesus? Would you put in these hours? Would you change your mindset and your, your goals and your dreams accordingly? I don't know. I think some of us might feel like we're too busy to do that. Like we just have too much going on to take on an apprenticeship. We're already full-time parents, full-time employees, full-time uh, everythings, right? <laughs> but really that should be kind of a convicting thought because if we're presented with an apprenticeship to Christ and it feels like too much, then are we apprenticed to Christ? Because actually it should just be a description of what we're doing. It shouldn't feel like anything more. And it should say, it should make us feel like, okay, I look at those things and I see how I'm gaining skill in these tools versus, oh, I don't have time to do that. Well, maybe life has crept in on your faith and crowded out your focus and crowded out your time and crowded out your, your, your intentionality. Because this should be the priority. Everything else falls into place after this. And so if we call ourselves Christians, if we say we're believers, if we say we have faith, if we say we're saved, if we say we're born again, if we say we're disciples of Christ, that's what it looks like. We're called to be that in whatever occupation we have, whatever marital status we have, children, family, work, finances. We're called to live for that as ambassadors for Him. And so I guess the challenge then is if it feels like too much, then... How are we doing it? Or are we doing it? Or maybe we've settled back into our faith as just an intellectual sort of exercise. Like, I believe in God. That doesn't mean you're necessarily apprenticed. I want us to live as apprentices to Christ because that's what true faith is. And that's when we'll see Christ actively building skills in our lives for how to manage our money, make wise decisions, choose spouses and houses wisely and um, witness to our friends, uh, find healing when it's needed and wisdom when it's needed and peace when it's needed. It comes from an apprenticeship relationship, a close personal relationship with the master. So it's very simple if you're looking to apply for this position. Romans 10, uh, 9 and 10 simply says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So if you confess, if you say it with your mouth, if you say Jesus is master, that means I am apprentice. means I am not my own master and no one else is my master. I'm just an apprentice to him. If we say that, we speak that truth, and if we believe it in our heart, then we will be accepted into this position. There's no greater requirements than that, that we just believe it in our heart, know it in our mind, understand what we're getting into, and then just commit. And once when we can't be lost, because you don't fail to be an apprentice by doing a bad job, he just teaches us how to gain greater skill. Apprentices are for life. Apprentices are made. Apprentices are not born. And our faith is a lifelong pursuit 
of walking along with Jesus and seeing how he will guide us in our lives, how we will look and act and live and love more like him every single day, and how he will change the world as he builds his kingdom through us. It's a beautiful position. I love being apprenticed to Jesus myself. I couldn't recommend it more highly to you. If you haven't made that commitment, if you've just been learning about him but haven't actively committed to apprenticeship, do it. You'll never regret it. The benefits here are so far greater than all the like temporary and passing and ultimately empty benefits that we find anywhere else. Uh, so if you're not sure, then simply recognize what the position is and commit to it today. And if you run into people that are wondering, what does it look like to actually be a Christian? Explain to them what it means to be an apprentice. Invite them to become an apprentice to the master as well. And uh, he says, surely he be with us to the very end of the age. God bless you, apprentices of Christ.